Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome to the show and welcome to 2018, the year where we get to pay more for stuff. Are you excited? Can you handle the excitement? Uh, But yeah, I mean, the cost of a lot of different things are going to go up this year. Maybe you're getting your assessment uh, in the mail today or this week. Maybe that's gone up. Maybe your property taxes are going to go up. We already know that the carbon tax has gone up. Minimum wage is going to go up later this year. That's going to lead to the cost of certain things going up as well. And here's the other one you can brace for, an increase on your electricity bill. Now, we already see on the heating bill, that's going to go up a little bit because of the carbon tax increase. But what's going on with power bills? Why is our, why are electricity bills going up this year? The carbon tax doesn't directly impact it in the same way that it does on the uh, heating bill. But there are a lot of factors that are coming together in 2018, and it's going to lead to you paying more on your electricity bill each month. And the likelihood that that's going to be even more of an issue in 2019 and 2020. Now, I guess the, the silver lining here is that we're coming off you know, the back end of two or three years of record low electricity prices. We've been getting a really good deal on electricity the last few years. And all the doom and gloom around deregulation that we used to hear about some years ago, um, you know, as it turned out, it's actually worked out pretty well. So some of those factors that, that have worked in our favor are maybe turning the other way. And a lot of this lays at the feet of government policy, right? That's what's driving this change. So I want to get a better understanding, not only of what's been going on the last few years in the marketplace, but what's changing this year and beyond. Why are we going to pay more and how much more are we going to pay? Seem like pretty basic questions. Blake Schaefer follows all this very closely. He's a Ph.D. candidate in the Department of Economics at the University of Calgary. He's a fellow in residence at the C.D. Howe Institute and a policy advisor on energy matters. Uh, So he's got some great insight. Blake, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Ralph. Okay, well, first of all, let's talk about what we've seen over the past few years because uh, electricity prices uh, in Alberta have been at, at basically historic lows, haven't they? They have. And, you know, while we've gone through... Uh, kind of unprecedented policy changes over the past two or three years, keeping things excited, exciting for policy wonks like me. Yeah. The prices themselves have been really uh, quite boring. They've been around two to three cents per kilowatt hour for roughly the past three years, which, as you say, these are historically low prices, uh, the lowest prices we've seen since Alberta deregulated uh, in the early 2000s. And so what explains that? I mean, natural gas prices are a big part of that. And I mean, I guess that probably hurts Alberta in other ways, but it's, I guess, good news for electricity prices. But beyond that, what else has been going on? Yeah, I'd say three things. So first would be, like you said, the low price of natural gas. So natural gas being an input uh, to power plants, to natural gas power plants, uh, what the ones of which are often setting the price. So this means the marginal price of power is, is lower. Um, the other is demand uh, basically flatlined over the last few years. 
Uh, I think in some years it went down slightly, not not big drops, but basically we didn't experience the growth we had previously been seeing. So you had flatlining demand. And on top of that, probably the biggest driver is excess supply. And, and maybe the, the one we can point to is, is the large gas plant in the south of Calgary, the Shepherd Energy Centre. By NMAX, you had about an 800 megawatt gas plant, so the largest one uh, in Alberta, uh, that came online over these years. So we really had an excess of supply. Alberta's peak uh, demand reaches around 10 to 11,000 megawatts in the winter. And we now have 16,000 megawatts of available capacity. Not all of it available all at the same time, but that's sort of our peak capacity. So we have excess supply. Uh, so we're just not seeing the what we call scarcity periods or tight supply-demand conditions that cause prices to spike as they did in the past. All right. Well, let's talk about what's changing because it doesn't look as though natural gas is is jumping up or that that the excess supply is going away, these two big factors that have kept prices low. But we got some other changes coming in terms of coal plants, in terms of uh, the the balancing pool. What's driving then the uh, increase in price then this year? Absolutely. So I'd say there's threefold. The first we can talk about is there's probably going to be a bit of a demand lift. That's not the primary driver, but that should be causes a small increase. Mm-hmm. But the bigger thing is, as you said, supply coming off. So um, the big things we have is four coal plants in Alberta are scheduled to either retire or what we call mothballed. So temporarily come offline until conditions get better for the plant owner. Um, so we have four um, units at Sundance owned by TransAlpha coming off, two of which came off on New Year's Day two more coming off on April 1st. So all told, uh, roughly speaking, about 1,500 megawatts of capacity coming off. So this is just going to tighten up those that excess supply-demand conditions we talked about quite a bit. Um, the other thing that we have happening, and this is, we're going to get kind of into the weeds here of electricity, which unfortunately you can't avoid. Like you said, the balancing pool, uh, when they accepted the PPA terminations a few years ago, so those were uh, long-term contracts, not quite contracts, but we'll call it that, uh, when they accepted those terminations, they took over offer control of those power plants, and they were offering quite conservatively. So they would bid into the power pool at their variable cost of running, whereas other commercial entities often price higher to try to get a better price for their power in a sort of profit-seeking motive. Um, as a result, prices have been kept quite low in large part due to balancing pool um, bidding in that manner. They've terminated many of their contracts so this is going to have two consequences. One is now the owners are freed up to bid more aggressively. That'll raise prices. But the other is they're now fully freed up from having these contracts. So what we're seeing is TransAlta, in, in, in course, they're choosing to mothball some of these plants. They wouldn't have been able to do that previously because they were under these PPA contracts. So by the PPA, uh, by the balancing pool terminating their PPAs, they've sort of uh, enabled these shutdowns to occur. Well, and obviously, like I mean, there, there were those who were pointing a finger at government and saying government policy is what's responsible for making these contracts unprofitable, and that's why they're they're being offloaded. Is is there a, a connection there? Well, there's two parts of that. So the first part, um, and I guess that's being debated in courts, but yes, the the, the original terminations, and that's really a bad word for it. I, I like to call it surrenders because what you had was companies like. TransCanada, for example, um, they, they, they were buyers of these contracts, so they had the, the rights to output, and they were paying something like $0.04 cents per kilowatt hour. It's a bit more complicated, but roughly speaking, prices were lower. They got an out because of the policy change, so they surrendered the contracts to the balancing pool. So at that point, 
balancing pool had a choice. They could have kept holding on to these, incurring these losses by now paying those four cents and selling into a two or three cent market. Or they could do what would be more rightly called a termination, which is what they've now done. So the first policy change just surrendered the contract to the balancing pool. That wouldn't cause prices to go up. That actually caused prices to go down. So part of the reason prices were so low for the past few years was because the balancing pool had offer control and was offering more conservatively. The new step where the balancing pool is choosing to cut their losses, hand them back, that has a consequence of while they cut losses and then reduce the consumer allocation, prices are going to go up as a result. So there's a trade-off here between consumers paying very visibly on their bill in terms of the balancing pool consumer allocation versus saving money from lower prices and that not being visible because it's hard to discern how much are they really saving. Well, how does the, the carbon tax play into all of this? Because it doesn't apply directly to, to our electricity bills, maybe in the same way that it impacts our, our heating <clears throat> bills, but it, it, has a, it has an impact on, on the market, doesn't it? Absolutely. Great question. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't pretend to say that the mothballing doesn't incorporate some effect from the carbon tax. So firms, when they're looking at whether their plants are economic to run, they're looking at these low prices, but they're also looking at increased costs, and that's due to the carbon tax. So um, Alberta always had, or since 2008, had prices, uh, effectively a carbon price um, in the electricity sector. But the changes that are occurring this year are going to increase it for coal plants um, by about one cent a kilowatt hour. But interestingly, it actually reduces the carbon price for natural gas plants. They're setting the benchmark for the carbon price at sort of an efficient gas plant level. So previously, a gas plant would have paid a small amount of carbon price. Now a gas plant, actually uh, an efficient one, would pay nothing. So the effect on price is very nuanced. When coal power is setting the price in Alberta, when they're what we call on the margin, they're going to be paying an extra one cent per kilowatt hour. They're going to be trying to pass that through. So they're going to raise their offer. So that could lift prices by one cent. But if gas is on the margin, their costs actually dropped a little bit. So the effect of the price is, is depends on how much, how often gas is on the margin versus coal power being on the margin. So all told, we shouldn't expect a big increase in power price directly due to the carbon um, pricing scheme because of the way they've set this benchmark around natural gas. I think EDC's got an estimate out there of about 0.7 cents of the increase, and that's $7 per megawatt hour. Um, being due to that change in the carbon price. So I think that's reasonable. I'd say it's probably around there, if not maybe half a cent. Right. Well, and, and going forward in the years ahead, I mean, there's going to be more of an emphasis on getting coal out of the mix, and we're going to see uh, plants shut down in, in the years ahead. So 2019, 2020, looking beyond, what, what's the broader impact of this policy change? Yeah. So interestingly, so the forward prices see this rise in 2018, 2019, because we have these plants coming offline. We have one more coming offline in 2019 without really anything coming online in that period. But by 2020, um, there's more changes going on. So there's a capacity market coming. We might have the renewables we just heard about at the auction being built by then. So the foreign markets for 2020 and beyond are actually lower. They're in the more of the four, four and a half cent range because of people are predicting a supply response by then. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a cat and mouse game here between coal coming offline and its replacement capacity coming in. Um, so it's going to mean a little bit of volatility, and that's probably part of the reason why the government chose to have that retail price cap to sort of stomach people from this volatility as we transition through here 
Um, but it's looking like it can be done relatively smoothly. But I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be remiss to say there won't be without some ups and downs as we go through. And 2018 certainly looks like one of those periods where we're going to get quite a shock to the system. You know, mm-hmm. 1,500 megawatts coming offline in a very brief period. We've got lots of excess supplies. So there's no reliability issue. But there's going to be some months when it's things are a bit tighter, and we're going to see price spikes like we used to see um, and are healthy as part of our competitive market. Um, but coming from where we came from at two or three cents, it's certainly going to look like a large increase. Uh, right. And I'm sure it's going to be uh, used to attack the climate, uh, the, the carbon tax, uh, uh, no doubt. But that's important for consumers to know that there is a price cap in place uh, that the government has, has mandated. So are we going to, to get near that cap this year? And who, who swallows the cost if we go over? Yeah, so so this is one where, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with this policy because what we're really doing is when it, this isn't capping the market, it's capping the rate that consumers can pay, the consumers that are on a floating, what we call the RRO rate, so about half of Albertans are on this floating RRO rate, and I think it's capped at 6.8 cents, if I recall. If it goes above, the government's going to effectively cover the difference, so I don't know the mechanics of how it'll work, but I imagine, I think I pay my bills to NMAX. If it goes over, MX will simply charge me the 6.8 and they'll collect the difference from the government. I'm not sure exactly. But what it means is taxpayers are footing the bill. So, um, you know, rather than the ratepayer paying, the taxpayer pays. We're, all, we're roughly one in the same here in Alberta. What it does, though, is it offers a smoothing. Uh, so it can smooth this pain over time. So people that have difficulty budgeting on a month-to-month basis won't have that volatility on their bill. Um, and there's a bit of an equity issue. So people who really can't handle the income effect of, of, of an extreme price spike in one particular month, that's smooth for them as well. I took a look this morning at, at where we are. When they put in the cap, there was no months that, uh, that were over. But now we have about, I think, five months in 2018 that look to be over the price cap. Um, all told, I think the cost based on the volume of consumers that would be affected is about $25 million to the government in 2018. All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, Some great uh, insight as to to what's changing and what it's going to mean. Blake, thanks for uh, spending some time with us here today. Appreciate this. Thanks for having me on, Rob. All right. Thanks again. Blake Schaefer, the University of Calgary, also fellow in residence at the C.D. Howe Institute, policy advisor in Energy Matters. So we are going to see the price of electricity going up in 2018. I think that's unavoidable. And as he said, I mean, a lot of it stems from... Um, It may be by design and maybe unintended consequences, but certainly in a lot of ways from government policy. The government, in response to all of this, has put a price cap in place to try to protect the consumer. But if the taxpayer has to subsidize the consumer, well, we're all one and the same, aren't we? So some interesting points. 974-8255. A lot more still to come in the program here today. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.